0: Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter
1: two, Acts chapter two. If you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift. You can also open up your smart device and uh, open up the app that's called YouVersion or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures, everything except for one picture we've already uploaded for you. We'll also uh, put it all up on the screen. If you're watching us online or you're at one of our other gatherings, I love you and I'm so glad that you guys are a part of our family. And so, so, so far in this series, we've talked about the who in the message, the God I never knew. Pastor Dallas talked about the what in the message, the meaning of Pentecost. Last week, we talked about the why in the message, the baptism. Uh, But I want to wrap this series up today with a message that we're calling the how. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for who you are, for what you do. Thank you that your love, it endures forever, God, that your spirit, it permeates everything we do, everything that we say, that your spirit, he is available for every person in this place. God, I'm grateful for the fact that you don't have to visit here. You don't have to fall in this place. You were here before we got here. God, for those of us who are followers of you, you were already in us before we even came here. Uh, But today, for my friends who perhaps have committed to follow you, but they they haven't experienced the fullness, I pray that you'd show us how today. We love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So one of the things I find so interesting about the Holy Spirit, particularly about the baptism, is that for a lot of people they have gotten hyper-focused on this idea that it is simply a book of Acts thing, like, like the Holy Spirit didn't exist until a group of people sat in an upper room, and then all of a sudden they had this experience, they had this encounter. And some people feel like that's actually even the case in their lives, that perhaps, perhaps before they had some sort of an experience, before they had some sort of an encounter, they didn't really have a full relationship With the Lord. And so we've almost kind of pigeonholed it into this idea that the Holy Spirit started in the book of Acts. But truthfully, the concept of baptism, or the particularly the three types of baptism that I talked about last week, that concept is in the scriptures cover to cover. And so I want to point out a couple of verses that are going to show that to you. Here's here's one first from the New Testament. It's in the book of 1 John chapter 5. It says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, that's Jesus, because John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So it's saying, uh, in heaven, there are three who bear witness, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, and that's literally the Bible describing the Trinity, the three in one. Then, Then it says, there are three that bear witness on earth. There is the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and that's the three baptisms that I talked about last week and it says these three agree as one. I'm just trying to show you that this isn't my idea. This isn't my concept. This isn't just my opinion. Okay. If you want to go even deeper, let's go to the old Testament because back in the early days of God's people, before they even had a permanent place to worship, they had a portable church in the wilderness. And as they traveled around, wherever it was, they stopped over that 40 year period. The first thing that they would do is they would set up this portable church. They called it the tabernacle. And, and there were three things they did before they went into the presence of God, which was present represented, uh, by the Ark of the covenant that that's, you know, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones, that's, he was pursuing the Ark of the covenant. And I don't know if Harrison Ford even knew, but, or if you knew while you were watching that it was uh, subliminally, he was pursuing The presence of God. He thought that he was pursuing riches, but he really was pursuing, if he was pursuing the ark, he was pursuing the presence of God. And so this is a picture of their setup. The ark, it was held right back here. I feel like a college professor, by the way, had to go and buy this. I had to buy this in the pet section. I don't know where else. It's just for cats. And so if you start if you start chasing it, then I know it's this is your cat person, and so I feel like like I feel like I should have put on some Harris Tweed, maybe the one ah, 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 like I was the Monopoly guy, and so I'm gonna just, if I could just do this. It's not the greatest picture, but if you bear with me, this is the layout of what it was. There was a first level right here. I'm not sure why there's like one cow it looks like a lego set and there's like one lego cow and he's freaking out cuz he knows like what's about to happen there's one lego guy it's the you know the whatever the song from the lego movie is and so he's singing that song so anyway he comes to this first level it's the brazen altar the brazen altar that was for everyone to make their sacrifices and and the brazen altar was constantly covered in the blood of their sacrifices and that is the symbol of the cross that's the symbol of the first baptism and, and then there was a second level where there was a laver and really what a laver was is it was uh, like a cauldron it was like a a big pot if you would that they filled with water and this is where once they've made their sacrifices um they would then walk to the brazen laver, and then they would wash the blood uh, off of themselves. That's, that's the water. That's that baptism. That's the second step. And then the third level, and it's hard to see it in here cause it's really light. But right here, if you look at this, this is a candelabra. And so the third level is there was uh, a set of candlesticks and, and those set of candlesticks were used to burn incense or they were used to burn oil. And that's the third baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe when we anoint people with oil, it kind of super activates the power of the Holy Spirit. And then after these three baptisms, you then walked into what's called the Holy of Holies, or literally what's called the presence of God. And inside the Holy of Holies or inside the presence of God, that's where you experienced his fullness. Now, you didn't need to go into the Holy of Holies to be saved. Like the, the brazen altar already covered that the first baptism already took care of your sins. But if you wanted to experience God's fullness, you had to take all three steps. I'm just trying to show you that this, this didn't originate in the book of acts. This, this thing, this Holy Spirit thing is in this book cover to cover. And so because of that, the devil's been manipulating it and trying to keep people as far away from it as he possibly could. So, so I want to answer a couple of questions today. And then, and then after I answer a couple of questions, I wanted to try to give you kind of four steps on how it is that we could experience this. So, so, so here's, here's the first is uh, why do we need this? Like, like why do I even need the Holy Spirit? Like if I don't need to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit to get into heaven, uh, why, why is it that I need that? Well, f- because God designed you to live a spirit-empowered life. God never intended his people to operate within their own ability. He always intended us to live with power, with boldness, and with signs and wonders. And, and even for me, when I say, uh, signs and wonders. It, it kinda can come across kooky or weird or scary or, or, or spooky because, you know, I was saved into the Pentecostal church and, and I am Pentecostal, uh, I guess by, not just by design, I guess I'm Pentecostal by default. I often wonder if I would have gotten saved in a Lutheran school, would I have been a, a Lutheran? And so I just became Pentecostal because that was the environment that I found myself in. And there were many blessings to being birthed into the Pentecostal faith. But there are also, uh, there were burdens that came along with that. There was uh, stuff I I didn't understand. There were things that happened. There, there was a certain uh, level of pageantry that I presumed was part of that. that I never wanted to kind of be part of the fringe of some of that. I felt like as a Pentecostal, it almost required that I came in with like a, like a horn of an, uh, an animal, like a shofar that I sound like the Ricola, got. like it's like, and you go to churches and somebody's blowing the, th- And they blow it, and it was like a symbol. It's like people, they just knew that meant, oh, it's time to get weird. And or there's somebody with a tambourine, and she doesn't have any rhythm, but she's got passion. And, you know, there's a guy or a girl, and she's got ribbons. If I gave you diamonds. I don't know why that made me think of Diamonds and Pearls by Prince. But anyway, there's somebody who had ribbons, and she's doing the thing, and she's... And she looks like the Danskin uh, logo. I don't know what's happening. And she's doing the whole Olympic thing and turns and somersaults. And I'm like, I'm barely to this. I'm barely carrying the firewood. That's all I'm saying. Like when I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm here. Maybe sometimes... I'm asking a question in class. Like, I'm not, I'm not to the ribbons and pearls yet. Like I, so sometimes like it would kind of, it would freak me out. And so when people would talk about when you come in and you have the Holy Spirit and he's full of power and he's full of boldness and he's full of signs and wonders. Let me tell you what that means practically. Signs are just when something points to God. Wonders are just when something makes you wonder. Like, hmm, I wonder how that happened. I wonder how that person was healed. I, I wonder how their marriage survived. I wonder how I got this new job or I got that promotion. It's it's when something makes you wonder, and that wonder is a sign that points back to God. So we as believers were meant to live with signs and wonders. But somewhere along the line, it's all been packaged in a way that's turned people off. And I would call that the abuse and the misuse of the Holy Spirit. But you and I, we need a spirit-empowered life because the job that God has given us is hard. He's literally given us a mission to change the world. We see it in Matthew 28:19. He says, "Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's called the Great Commission, and it is a co-mission, meaning we can't do it alone. We we can't do it just because we think we're smart, or because we think we're gifted, or because we think we're creative. We need power, boldness, signs, and wonders to live this thing out, okay? Here's the second question, is why is this a separate experience? Like, why couldn't I just, like, get the whole thing together? Because they're different, Like salvation or the infilling of the Holy Spirit gives you hope. It lets you realize that should you die today... This isn't it, there's, there's a whole nother thing after this. In fact, the better thing is after this, that, that when you die and you have a relationship with the Lord, which we'll give you an opportunity to do later, that you step from this life into the next life. It gives you hope that no matter what happens, no matter how anxious you get, no matter how depressed you get, no matter how oppressed you get, there there is a hope on the other side of this life that comes with salvation or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that gives you boldness. It, it lets you walk through life confidently so you don't have to be hyper-focused on the one tree. You can be hyper-focused on all the other trees because you realize in the boldness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is a fullness, as the Bible says, thereof. And, and when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like a man or a woman stands up on the inside of you. i mean, just look at the Apostle Peter. After three years of being personally mentored by Jesus, at Jesus's trial, Peter couldn't tell one little girl that he knew Jesus. But 50 days later at the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. There was only one event that had taken place between those two things. Peter received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, it gives us the ability to live with hope and with boldness. And I want that. I want that not just for me. I want that for you. I want that for this church. This, that's been indicative of this church for the last decade, by the way. And I refuse to believe or accept that a pandemic is gonna kill the momentum of what God wants to do in our city, in your families, in your relationships, in your neighborhoods. Did I remember when seats were set up out into the lobby, when we had three services and I refuse to believe that our best days are behind us. I refuse to live my life in the rearview mirror because life is bigger in the windshield than it is in the rearview mirror. And so whatever that thing was, we, we declare it in Jesus' name that it's, that it's coming back, that I, I wanna see a church again where thousands of people are getting saved, where, where we're being life-giving in every aspect of people's lives, where churches are being started a slew of locations, in the hard places, places that are being given up on, Seattle and Portland, Detroit and Toronto. And I know that I've been talking about other cities, but listen, there is some stuff brewing. I can't tell you everything that's, you know, that's happening. Don't you love when people do that? When people say, I probably shouldn't tell you this. And then they tell you. So I probably shouldn't tell you this, but there is something that's brewing, particularly in Toronto, Canada, that is so advanced at this point that some of you may want to get your passport. Like some of you have someone, maybe you've dreamt that God has called you to be a missionary to like, it's that far along that some of you would go. I might get an opportunity to go and live in Canada. There's some stuff going on where I see the spirit and the presence of God taking what he's done here and being transferred to these places that nobody else wants to go. You know why? Because Green Bay was that place 10 years ago. When we came here, people looked at us like we were crazy. They were like, Are you kidding? You're going to go to Green Bay? This I've literally heard this quote multiple times. Green Bay is a graveyard for preachers. This is where preachers go to die. Man, y'all have changed that. You guys have changed that over the last 10 years. And I want this place to keep being a place where marriages are being restored. Relationships are being renewed. Hope is being revived. How do we do that? By living a spirit-empowered life. How? So I want you to write four things down. Four things that we need to do to live a spirit-empowered life. Here's the first, is remove all the barriers. Some of you have barriers, blockages, things that are hindering the fullness of what God wants to do. Some of you have these doctrinal or these theological issues that you carry that aren't even in the Bible. It's just stuff that we've been told or things that we've been taught. Do you know a lot of the things that we've been told and a lot of the things that we've been taught we were told and taught by men. That I don't mean as a gender. I mean as a, as a humanity. We'd been taught by humanity, and it was their thoughts, and it was their ideas, and it was their opinions, and a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Sonny and Aubrey, my daughter, who, by the way, is uh, getting ready in the fall. She's going to go and major in theology and is going to go and uh, be a worship pastor someday, so her and Pastor Sonny will walk in. Through a park, and, and and then there was a guy there. He he was uh he was like promoting, kind of like the promoting Jesus kind of thought he was. You've seen those people. They think that they're doing a service, but they're really not doing a service. Sur- what they're doing is yelling at people, telling people how terrible they are and how much God hates them. And just, you've, you've seen those people there. Uh, Turn or burn, you know. Just you go, bro. I don't ever, I don't remember Jesus being a jerk. But anyway, this, this, guy's, this guy's in the park, and somehow he, he's like zones in on Pastor Sunny, And he says, excuse me, do you know God? Like it's, like it's a really, I mean, it is a deep question. Do you know God? So I goes, I do. No, but do you, re-? like the, like the, like you ever in here have somebody, you give them an answer, and the answer's not good enough. Maybe you caught them off guard. They're like, oh crap they going to slap her upside the head with theology. And so she's I do know God. He goes, but no. But do you know? Do you know God? Pastor Stan goes, I, I do. I'm, I'm actually a pastor. Oh, snap. <laughs> he's fundamentalist and he's, you know, he gets, and all of a sudden he gets off in the weeds and he starts to talk about, oh, you know, the Bible says women can't be pastors. And I thought, man, I wish I'd have been there. Because <laughs> what he did is he put Sonny in the firing chamber. and he... <laughs> Look out below! <laughs> and so Sonny begins to teach this guy the stuff that other people hadn't taught. Like, And she starts to... Spit knowledge about, well you know, I mean Priscilla, and have you ever heard of Priscilla and Priscilla and Aquila they're very famous, and Paul he's planted a church, and when Paul left, he left didn't leave Aquila, the husband. he left Priscilla. in charge, Priscilla was the pastor of the most influential church in the world at the time. Well, you know, the Bible says that women should sit down and shut their face in church. And just, well, you know, actually, this is Sonny, actually what Paul was talking about in that is there was a cult, and that cult, is, you know, Paul was actually talking to a specific group of women, and actually the people who corrected the women were the women, and you ever ask somebody who you shut them down to the point they just get mad? Now, now Sonny probably felt like she told him, but, you know, Sonny is so kind, that she'll get off of a phone call and she'll, this'll be her final words. She'll say, okay, thank you so much, bye-bye. And she'll hang up and she'll look at me, she'll go, I told them. <laughs> That guy was so lucky, but it's just like, he didn't, he didn't want to hear nothing. There was, there wasn't an answer. Jesus could have, Scotty could have teleported her, him off the SS enterprise in front of the guy. He could have showed him the hands and the side and he could have said, bro, I actually didn't say that. And the dude would be like, yeah, but you meant it though. Like there's some people who you can't tell them nothing. That guy had created an entire doctrine off of something someone else said but wasn't in the Bible. And so here's my challenge to you. Don't believe anything anybody says just because they said it. Don't believe anything I say. Don't just believe what I say because somebody gave me tape and a microphone and I get to stand in front of you every week. You better fact check everything that I say. You better do your own Research. You should spend 50% of the time you're in here on Google. You read your own Bible, discover for yourself, whether the things I say are true or they are not, because what you'll discover when you get into this book is the Holy spirit and the necessity for him. It is in this thing cover to cover. And it is real. Now, some of you don't have doctrinal issues. You don't even know what the word doctrinal means, but what you have are doubt issues. And I get it because there is some crazy stuff in here. You're like, for real? In seven days? Six days with a day off? He created all, everything he created. Like, bro, he opened up the earth and swallowed 3,000 people? Shouldn't have talked smack. I'm just saying. Like, there's some stuff in there where you're like, dang, that's, there is some crazy stuff in here. But there's like a really great story in Mark chapter 9 where there's this dad and he's, he's at the end of his rope. He's at his wit's end. His son has struggled with an evil spirit all of his life. And after trying everything with no success, the dad brings the son to Jesus, hoping that the son will be delivered. And in the midst of his desperation, the dad says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus responds, if you can, everything's possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I mean, you're talking about a guy who believed in Jesus enough that he brought him his son. But because life had beaten him down, let him down and disappointed him enough, he, he, he wants to believe. He's just got some unbelief. And I love not only that story, but I love that dad because sometimes that's how I feel. I believe, I just wish that I could overcome my unbelief. I just wish I could overcome my doubt. If I could just overcome the hurt that's holding me back. If I could just overcome the anxiety, the depression that's holding me back. If I could just overcome the rejection that's holding me back, I'd believe. If I could just overcome the obstacles, remove the barriers, then I would believe. And here's how the apostle Peter said it on the day of Pentecost. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, it is for you, your children, and for all who are afar off. And so whether you doubt something or not doesn't mean that the promise isn't going to be fulfilled. Here's a second. Uh, request the gift of the Holy Spirit. I just asked for it. you go like, is it that easy? Yeah, it's a gift. Uh, just say, Lord, I want everything you have for me I want all your gifts my kids have never had a problem asking me for gifts and the reason they don't have a problem asking me for gifts is because they know I love to give gifts and so does God here's that promise from Jesus himself he said if you even though you're evil know how to give good gifts to your kids how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask so here's my advice go after the gifts run after them first Corinthians says that we should eagerly desire them so I'm going after them again because the job God's given me to do I can't do it and neither can you and so the prophet Zechariah said it's not by your might it's not by your power but instead it's by his spirit we need the power of God in our lives and it is the Holy Spirit that gives that to us. Here's the third thing, is receive him by faith. You say, well, what does that mean? Everything God has for you requires that you take what seems like a risk. Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter. It says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. God is trying to get you into a realm outside of what you already have. The supernatural, supernatural is a compound word. The supernatural is super natural. That means it is beyond the natural. The supernatural is beyond our ability. And so naturally, our minds are going to try to block the supernatural. They're going to remind us of what our teacher or our father or our grandfather said. I remember when I first met Pastor Sonny's grandpa, Grandpa George. Uh, they, they introduced me to him, I shook his hand. He took his hand out of my hand. He turned, and he looked at Pastor Sonny, and he said, well, I thought you were gonna make something of yourself. I was like, bro, I'm literally standing right here. <laughs> you looked at me, you looked at her, I thought you were going to make something of yourself. And looking back, I realized he meant that he thought that she'd live a little life, that she'd see a few things, maybe get her degree before she ran off and got married. But I took that personal. And for years, I carried that offense around like a hundred pound weight. And so in my mind, I was limited to what God could do in me and through me. Because I was the thing that limited Sonny's life. I thought you were going to make something of yourself. And so when somebody talks about the supernatural, your natural mind is going to want to block it because your mind can't understand it. But my question is, who wants to serve a God who's limited to operating within the capacity of our brains? We need more. I love how the prophet Ezekiel says it. He said, as the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He, he measured up another thousand and now it was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen and it was deep enough to swim and it was a river that no one could cross. And that paints a picture of a lot of our spiritual lives. A lot of us say, I want you Lord, but I don't want to lose control. But can I tell you the best stuff happens in the place where you can't touch the bottom. Years ago, I was in California and I saw these dudes surfing and I thought they were so cool. And so I wanted to surf, but I was scared. And so I didn't want to get on a surfboard. But then I saw these other dudes that they were surfing without a surfboard. They were body surfing. And I thought, oh, I can do that. And so I went out into the water and I was in the shallows, they would call it. Because I don't swim good. Where I grew up, you got two things we don't like water, we don't like dogs. I'm just saying. So I was, I was in the shallows and I was trying to body surf in the shallows. I was, trying to, I was trying to body surf with my feet on the ground. And I couldn't understand why my body wasn't surfing. Finally, this cat came along. He said, hey, man, you know what you need to do? You need to go out in the deep water. You get out in the deep water, then the waves will do the work. I said, first of all, I don't really know how to swim. Will they take me out (laughs) or will they take me in? So I took a step of faith because I wanted to do this. I wanted to experience it. So I went out a little bit. My feet couldn't touch. Just a little bit. I wasn't in no 10-foot water. Feel me? Got in the water just deep enough and the wave came along. Man, it lifted me up. What? Man, I look like Superman. It's like... Man, I couldn't get enough of it. Now can, and then I wanted to keep going deeper. I wanted, to keep going. I wanted to keep going deeper because the best stuff happens in the place where we don't get to be in control. So step out. Start the business. Go back and get your degree. Buy the house. Ask her to marry you. Invest the money. What are you afraid of? Fear's not even from God. You're safe. He's got you. Nothing you can't recover from is going to happen to you. Will bad things happen? Sometimes. Will challenges happen? Sometimes. Will you have failures? Sometimes. But I promise you, nothing you haven't been able to recover from has ever or will ever happen to you when you put yourself in God's hand because good things come from God. But it takes what will seem like risks. And so the book of Hebrews says, without faith, without the big leap, without the risk, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must, number one, believe he exists, and number two, believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So you received the Holy Spirit by faith. I received him in a dorm room by myself. Nobody was there to push me down or lay hands on me. You don't need me to be there. You don't need me to touch your head or uh, lay hands on you. You don't need me to do anything else any more than you needed me to physically do anything for your salvation experience. You received Jesus by faith. So the Bible says receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Okay. Here's the last one. Number four is relate to him daily. Now here's something that you, you probably, maybe you won't uh, grasp this about me in, in my own personality. I'm just, I'm, that's not the nicest guy. Yeah, like I've, I've been serving Jesus for a good minute, but man, I had so much baggage and thank God for journey to homeless, but I had so much baggage you know, in, in my own flesh, I'm, I'm not patient. I'm not kind. I'm not, not loving I, I'm like I'm that guy I'm the clear your throat guy if I, my natural proclivity is this <sighs> if I if I had a word that that would define me in in the physical it would be seriously so for me I got to submit myself to the Holy Spirit every day he's my source he's my daily bread thank God he's not weird but the Holy Spirit, He's my guide. And so because of my natural tendencies, I have to submit myself to Him every day. So I pray in the Spirit every day. I invite His power into my life every day. And I wish that you did too. So, so because I wish that I would do that and I wish that you would do that, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 is my prayer for your life. I want, I want the amazing grace of the Master Jesus the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit to be with you all. And I wonder if you want that. But if you do, you can have it. But before you can, you've got to remove all the barriers, request the gift of the Holy Spirit, receive him by faith and relate to him daily. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Before you can get the Holy Spirit, you've got to receive Jesus. And there's some of you in here who you haven't done that. Because you haven't done that, uh, your life is in a tailspin. Your marriage is in a tailspin. Your finances, your kids, your health, they're in a tailspin. The idea of salvation is to bring you to the center to find your true north. So I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I, I don't have... Uh, like a real personal relationship with Jesus you know who God is you you may have even prayed a few times but you know at the end of the day you haven't submitted and surrendered your life to him so I want to give you the opportunity to do that today here's how you can first is in in just a moment I'm going to ask for people to do two things uh, with nobody looking around I'm going to ask for people who don't have a relationship with Jesus but who want one to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down and then I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer, then I'm gonna pause. And if you repeat what I just prayed while I'm paused and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you're here today, you say, Sean, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like one with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thanks, 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 thanks. 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 Thank you. Thanks. I didn't know if you were scratching your nose. Okay, I'm going to ask everyone in here to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life, but I don't want it. Please take it. Forgive me. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're here. You say, Sean. I have taken part in salvation. I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But you would also say that I haven't taken that step into the unknown. I haven't gone past the place where my feet can touch the ground. You you would say, I I haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If that's you, we're not going to do a big event in here right now because you receive it by faith. You remove, you request, you receive, you relate. And so if you're here, you say, Sean, I haven't received that, but I'd like to pursue it with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand so that I can pray for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, for my friends in this place, I pray that you'd meet them at the point of their need, God, that you would give them that boldness, the same boldness that I got in an old dingy dorm room, God, that I would speak out by faith, God. I pray that as you speak into their hearts and as you speak into their minds, you will reconfirm to them that that thing is you and that, God, they would open their mouths and that they would release it and that, God, you wouldn't just give them a language that is changed. You would give them a life that has changed, and we'll love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That, the Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.